Good morning. If you have your copy of your church Bibles, please could you open it to Luke chapter 16, where our morning's reading is taken from. It can also be found on page 1050 in your church Bibles. Starting from verse 19 to 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen, and they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Cheers. doing at my gate again. Can someone get rid of him? He's spoiling my view and I have to smell him every time I go outside. It's an offence to my nostrils. Oh, honestly, what a racket! This was going to be the perfect harvest lunch before he came along with all his groaning and moaning. time came when the beggar, Lazarus, died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. When Jesus says Hades, that's his way of talking about the, the place where you go when you die if you haven't trusted Jesus. 
He also calls it hell, and he often says it's like fire. It's really serious. But Jesus is the most loving person who's ever lived, and he warns us about this because he doesn't want us to go there. Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Brothers and sisters, there are, there are two main things that Jesus communicates in this amazing, vivid, serious story. They're both in the same key paragraph, which is verses 25 and 26. I think of it as two chasms. Does anyone know what a chasm is? This is an unusual word. Chasm. Sorry, Jeff. It's an empty space. It's quite hard to describe, isn't it? What is a chasm? Anybody else? A, a what hole? An endless, I like it, Daniel. Very good, yeah, an endless hole. Think of it like two cliffs with a great big endless hole in the middle, a great big space in the middle. You might have heard of the Grand Canyon. Anyone heard of that? Which is an enormous chasm or canyon in America. And I realize this isn't very big, but can you see that? Two great big cliffs on either side, and down at right at the bottom of a seemingly endless hole is, I believe, the Colorado River. I've never been there. But my friend got to go to the Grand Canyon early this summer, and he said it was amazing. He, you weren't expecting that, were you? <laughs> and uh, he said uh, he felt so small next to this ginormous canyon. In fact, he was in a helicopter, which normally feels massive and strong, doesn't it, a helicopter? But he said that his helicopter it just felt like a little fly buzzing around the canyon. And it was so hot that they struggled to land safety, safely. So that's, Jesus is going to talk about a chasm in verse 26. That's, you, have you got that in mind? You might, if you can suffer the vertigo, imagine a, min, a, a ginormous chasm right here between the rich man and Lazarus. <laughs> an endless space just dropping away between us. And Jesus wants to point out two real-life chasms, two big gaps that exist in the world. The first is between the rich and the poor. Let me stick this up. And do you notice how he, wants to, he really wants to talk to us about what it's like to be rich and what it's like to be poor. So the first chasm is between the rich and the poor. The rich man and Lazarus, they were neighbors. They lived really close to each other. I think they both knew each other's names. Certainly, the rich man knew Lazarus's name, so I think it probably worked that you would know the name of the rich man as well. The rich man had everything he wanted. You notice he had his dinner. He had his fancy clothes. He had medical care. Lazarus wanted all of that, and he didn't have any of it. I've been listening to a podcast recently called Good Bad Billionaire, and it is about the very richest people in the world. Those who, apparently there is a big difference between being a millionaire and being a billionaire, and that this is about the billionaires. Did you know that 1% of the world's population, the richest 1% in the world, own half of the world's wealth? I struggle to wrap my head around this, but um, can I try and do it visually with you? I reckon there's about 100 of us in the room, so it actually works quite well. So 1% of us, one of us, who, would like, who, who should we arbitrarily say is the richest person, the 1% in the world? Anyone want to be that person this morning? Daniel, you were handed up first. Very good. You, my friend, you are like, you can stay there, but uh, you are the 1%, Daniel. You are the, you're so rich in the world compared to the rest of us. Yay. It's fantastic. And Daniel, let's imagine, we've got our amazing collection here. Thank you so much to all who contributed. 
Let's say this represents the world's wealth, okay? All of it, all the money and all the wealth in the world. Daniel, you own half of it, okay? So half of everything in the world belongs to him. He's very pleased. Is it fair? Is it fair on the rest of us? It doesn't feel very fair, does it? 1% of the world's people own half of the world's wealth. I don't expect any of us are in the 1%, okay? But I went on and did a bit more research. 30% of the world's richest people, the 30, 30% of the richest people in the world own 97% of the world's wealth. So, 30% of this room would be about 30 of us, right? So can I say, you guys in the front row, you guys in the second row, you guys in the third row, you're the 30% richest people in the world, about 30 people. I'm afraid if you're in the fourth row and further back, you're not. You're in the poorest 70%. <laughs> and you guys in the front three rows, you own 97% of the world's wealth. Which, if we imagine our pile of donations, is a lot. Okay? In fact, it's easier for me just to take out the 3% that you don't own. So let's take out, what should we say, about 10 things. I mean, you guys, 70%, that's your wealth between you. So there's, a, there's nappies and a peanut butter and some tins. And the rest of you own 97%. Does that seem fair? Not especially. I'm laying it on quite thick because Jesus does. He really wants to talk about the rich and the poor and what it's like to be in either camp. You remember last week, Ben was preaching, we looked at um, the start of chapter 16, and chapter 16 in Luke is actually all about wealth. Jesus wants to talk about wealth a lot as the dominant theme, and he's doing it again today. He's not saying it's wrong to be rich. That's actually a common preconception. People assume that, well, Jesus is sort of against riches. He's not. He says it's wrong to be rich and greedy. It's wrong to be rich and keep it all to yourself when you've got someone like Lazarus who's lying at your door. So you don't want to be a, a greedy hoarder and keep it all to yourself. Much better to be rich and be generous. Jesus uses this phrase last week, um, you cannot serve both God and money. And for me, that's been a real key this week as I've thought about this. So if you, if you are rich and you have a Lazarus at your gate and you can't help him, it shows that you, you don't love Lazarus, you don't love God. You just love money. Make sense? And you can't, can't serve both God and money. I have a pastor friend who rants very eloquently about this. He loves to go on a tirade. He's, he, took, he put it very clear for me. He said, look, in, in many parts of the world, there are false gods. Things that are ideas, notions, gods that are really powerful that people worship. So in some parts of the world, Allah is the false god that people worship. In other parts of the world, Vishnu is one of the false gods that people worship. He says in London... I don't see them being the dominant false gods. Do you know what I do see as being the false god? The thing that dictates lots of people's choices and behavior? Money. I don't know about you, I think it rings true. So many of us, me included, have lived under this false god. Money it just dictates the way we behave, the things that we choose, what we do. We cannot serve both God and money. So I'm talking about this great big chasm, this big gap, and the first chasm Jesus wants to talk about is the gap in this life between the rich and the poor. 
And I'm very pleased that we've managed just to... Maybe we just close that gap a little fraction today in what we're able to, to do together. But there's a second chasm that Jesus wants to talk about. And it's the chasm between heaven and hell. And although the first thing was important, Jesus actually saves a, a higher gear for talking about this. You notice he starts off talking about wealth, but he wants to go and he ends up talking about the afterlife. So the chasm between heaven and hell. Verse 26, if you still have it open. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So there's no going back. Thank you, Father. My family, for I've got five brothers. Let him warn them. They will not also, so, so they will not also come to this place of torment. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen even if someone comes back from the dead. Now, observe, there is a heavy plot hint here in Bible terms. Okay, he's talking about somebody, if somebody comes back from the dead. Can any of you kids think of somebody in the Bible who comes back from the dead? Jesus, yeah, I don't know who got there first. Yes, full marks. Jesus comes back from the dead on Easter Sunday, which is amazing because he's telling this story way before that happened. Telling this story way before he got arrested, was murdered, and then came back from the dead. And it means he's fully aware that he's going to come back from the dead. He's gonna, he knows he's going to come back, I think, with scars in his hands. He's going to stand in front of people and say, I'm back, I'm back from the dead. And some people are going to go, nah. <laughs> And not convinced. Incredible plot hint that he just drops here. But we're talking about um, the gap, the chasm. And I was privileged to go to a, a meeting of our mission support group last week. We call it MSG at St. Paul's, the St. Paul's Harangay Mission Support Group. And we had a great evening, those of you who were there, didn't we? Because uh, we were given £5,000 to give away. Uh, I tell you, we had a fantastic time. Don't worry, it was all agreed and signed off and the, and the church council had budgeted for it and agreed to it all. But it's fabulous being able to give away 5,000 pounds. Now, you can do a lot of good with 5,000 pounds. You can daydream and have all sorts of fun deciding how many people you could help. So we decided to do the maximum possible good we thought we could do with our 5K. And we've decided here that we want to relieve as much suffering as possible especially eternal suffering. That's the way we phrase it. Because, does that make sense to you? Because all suffering is awful. All pain could do with being relieved. But the most long, the most intense, the most protracted suffering in the world is going to be the suffering for eternity, for someone who didn't turn to Christ when they had the chance. So we decided that if we can prevent that suffering, we would love to. Do a little self-assessment for me at this point, if you would. Remember, we've been talking about two chasms. So I put them here on my flip chart. Can you read that? Just about. Chasm one, he said that was about rich and poor in this life. Okay, so I've put chasm one, rich now. Chasm two, we said that was about uh, heaven and hell. So I've put 
heaven bound. So what I'd love you to do, just in your head as you sit there, see if you, if you would put a, a tick in this box or a cross. So am I rich now or poor now? Make sense? Just quietly in your head, put a tick or a cross in that box. And then chasm two, are you going to heaven or not? Tick or cross. By the way, that is entirely about whether you've trusted Jesus or not. If you have, you could be 10 out of 10 sure that you are heaven bound. Everyone done the self-assessment? I think it's fair to say that everyone, if, you've done, if you're able to do it, you should be here somewhere. Um, let's talk through it. Firstly, chasm one. Are you rich now? Some of you will have said, yes, I'm rich now, and yes, I'm heaven bound. And I just want to say to you, wow. You, you are one of the most privileged human beings on planet Earth. I mean, don't you think? If you, if you put it in those terms, because you're, you're wealthy now, and you're confident of where you're going for all eternity. So if that is you, I want to point out your privilege, encourage you to thank God, and encourage you to pass on as much as possible. If you can, if you can possibly be a, uh, a channel for God's generosity, then you're going to bless so many people with what you're able to do because you're able to give away some of your riches now and you're able to tell them about the great heavenly riches that can await people. Amazing. Just be a bit careful because... This category has to influence this category. So it's, it's, there is no category in Jesus' head for, I've been shown incredible grace and generosity, and now I'm going to keep it all for myself. It, it just doesn't, doesn't compute for Jesus, and um, it doesn't end up well. So just make sure that the, the grace generosity you've been shown does affect the way you live now and the way you operate and own things. You may be in this row. You may think, well, I'm, I don't feel rich now. I'm a no, but I am heaven bound. And if that's you, then um, actually you are very like Lazarus. Maybe, in fact, he could be your new hero. Don't you think? This guy, I mean, we're not told much about him. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't actually say anything in the story. He just, he just receives grace. And um, he certainly doesn't complain. But Lazarus is a classic example in Luke's gospel of one of the humble poor who believe. I, I, I think, um, even though we're not told about him, he, he is a great example of someone who doesn't have much in this life, but is therefore very receptive to hearing the message about Christ and believing in him. If you're in this category, and you feel like you have nothing much in life, I mean, Lazarus, what, he just had a bit of dog saliva, didn't he? I mean, the, the thing that soothed his wounds was canine slobber. Imagine having so little that that's your situation. Yet he could be rich forever because of Jesus. So if that's you, if you feel poor in this life but you're heaven bound, I want you to know Jesus knows you, he sees you, he thinks you're valuable, and he says you're worth dying for. Maybe you're in this category and you said, yes, I feel rich now, but no, I'm not confident that I'm going to heaven. Well, if that's you, you occupy the same category as the rich man. You're rich in this life, but not currently going to heaven. You need to be careful because after all, Jesus made up this story for people like this. He's actually talking to the rich Pharisees in this story, saying, guys, you're rich in this life, but you haven't got a clue about heaven. Wealth can insulate you, so you can have so much stuff, it makes you feel like you're better than other people and a bit superior. Do you notice that's why in the story, the rich man makes great demands of Lazarus. Can Lazarus just pop over here and do something for me? It's because he thinks he's superior in some way. His wealth has made him feel like he's better, even though he's the same as every other human being. So if you realize actually, oh my goodness, this is me. 
then can I just explain to you how you could go to heaven? Because Jesus wants that. He loves you too. We talked about this great chasm, this big canyon. And at the moment, this canyon is not fixed. It's not fixed forever. So you could possibly cross over. And in the Bible, it talks about the possibility of crossing over and being sure of your eternity and confident of God's love for you. So, do you want to know how to do it? The only way to cross over from one side to the other is by trusting Jesus. And if you can cross over, imagine walking over from one side of the chasm to the other on, the, on that bridge, that cross. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you can be confident you've crossed over. You can have the Holy Spirit and you can know the amazing generosity of God, even for someone like me or you who doesn't deserve it. So that's the way. But be careful because one day the chasm will be fixed forever and there will be no going back. There will be no crossing over and it will be too late. And then finally, maybe you feel, I'm not rich in this life and I don't think I'm going to heaven. If that's you, you are one of the least privileged people in the world. But I have amazing news for you which is that Jesus loves to move towards people like you. I mean, he just he seeks out people like you. He just continually moves towards people who are underprivileged and says, I see you, I love you, I want to share my kingdom with you. If you're here today and you feel like you're, you're in this row, um, I, I would love our church to be part of God's way of blessing you. If you're hungry today, I would love you just to take some food from that pile before you go. Just take it and use it. We would love to be a community that can help people like that. Or maybe you're hungry for God and you would love someone just to explain to you. Just tell me again about God. Tell me that thing about heaven you were saying earlier on. Ask someone who's sitting near you. Ask ask me, I'd love to explain to you because there is a way you can be rich forever and ever and ever through Jesus. Just finally, as we finish, um, I was on a conference this week and uh, I was reminded of a man called Jeremy Marshall. Do you remember him? If you, were, if you were at our church in 2020, then you might remember him because we did a webinar during lockdown and Jeremy was the special guest and he spoke on, you would have seen him on your laptop because it was mid-lockdown. And um, Jeremy was a rich Christian and he was actually the CEO of Hawes Bank, if you ever heard of that famous private bank. So rich bank and rich man. But Jeremy knew Jesus and um, he was determined that he was going to use his wealth for good. And so do you know what he did? He, he got to be CEO of this bank. He attracted so much money, he was able to buy a bank of his own. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine being rich enough to buy the bank? But he buys this bank and he says, I want to, I want to use this bank to help churches. And his, his, his big thing with the bank was, I want to help churches to help people. And um, it is an amazing legacy he's left. He was also chairman of Christianity Explored because he was a passionate evangelist. He wanted to help people find out about Jesus. And he spoke at hundreds of churches and events and that's why he ended up speaking to some of us back in 2020. Just wanted people to know about Jesus. He had cancer and he, he died in August. And I am certain that angels have carried him to Abraham's side because he, he knew Christ. See, so see? Your story, it, it doesn't have to be the rich, greedy man or woman. It could be the incredibly blessed, generous Christian man or woman. Let's pray together. We pray that God would make us those sorts of people. Kids, would you pray with me if you're able to? 
Father, wherever we find ourselves on this grid, I I pray that you would be pleased to work in us. We hear you talking about the the generosity of God. And Father, would would it be real, a live category for each of us? Even if we feel poor in this life, I pray we'd know the generosity of God through the church and indeed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, we thank you for what you're like and how you move towards others. You don't just give us the harvest to eat, but you give us an eternal banquet and I pray this would not leave us unchanged. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.